Americas, live and underway here on ESPN Plus. From Doha, Qatar, home of Stadium 974, made of 974 recycled shipping containers. And Hercules Gomez, I personally feel a bit like a recycled shipping container after the stress of watching that scoreless draw between Mexico and Poland. How are you holding up? Uh, fine. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. I feel Good like, game. I feel like it's day 30 of this World Cup. It's only day three. Can you believe it? It does feel like day 30 around you, yes. but it is only okay, day three. Okay, steady, steady. Uh, by the way, day three delivered drama not just between Mexico and Poland, her, but one of the all-time, all-time World Cup shockers. I mean, Argentina woo. falling to Saudi Arabia. Don't you worry. We're going we're gonna to get into that just a little bit later on in the show and kind of what it means for Mexico's group. We also have a bunch of other great stuff coming up in the show. Dwayne Di Rosario, Canadian men's national team legend, going to join us as we preview Canada against Belgium. Of course, Canada kicking their World Cup off tomorrow. So is Costa Rica. We'll talk a little bit uh, about that. And Alexis Nunes, we're going to effort a live shot from her from Stadium 974. She was there to witness it live. Witness el milagro. Otro milagro. Another miracle. Otro milagro. Of San Memo. San Memo. San Memo. It has to be said. All right. Uh, so let's get to it. Uh, what a game it was between Mexico and Poland. The scoreboard won't tell you much about this game, right? It's all zeros uh, across the scoreboard. But the, the true story uh, of this game is that it really was a great one. And for many, it probably comes down to the one moment. Uh, Memo Joa making the penalty save on Robert Lewandowski. But uh, Herc, your first thoughts as Mexico gets a point from what was a very, very stressful 90 minutes. It played out pretty much the way I thought it would play out, honestly. I, I thought it'd be a draw or Poland squeaking through with the goal in a 1-0. Um, figured Mexico would have the lion's share of the ball that they did. It's 63% possession at one point when I, when I checked the stats. But never really threatening Chesney, though Chesney Looked a bit There were some good shaky. chances in the first I mean, half. Kind of. You know, Chucky on that off, turnover off early. Vega, off Vega's shoulder. Alexis Vegas a la yeah, yeah, in 98. But, but even, even all the yeah. dangerous plays weren't clean. Yeah. You know, off the shoulder, off the side, you know, off the boot one way. It was never like a clean effort. And you're like, whoa, that's a good chance. Whoa, this is danger. And even the, the penalty kick called against Mexico. What do you think of it? You know what? It's the risk you take. I, I have my my glasses are too colored. I, I I obviously didn't think it was. It's but. the risk you take when you okay. leave your feet. It's the risk risk you take when you grab onto somebody's jersey. These things can get called. It got called. We're seeing this all. all I mean, every game in the World Cup, there's there's one play where you it can go either way. It got called against you, but who who again who? San Memo. It's Memo Ochoa coming up big, keeping Mexico in this. And they uh, live on to fight another day. Both teams live on to fight another yeah, day. Yeah, I'm looking at some of the possessions from this. 63% possession for Mexico uh, in that first half. Robert Lewandowski in that first half. Just 18 touches. Guess how yeah. many he had in Mexico's box? I, one. Can't be many. He had really, just one, one in the first half. I'm waiting on the 90-minute statistics to come through. Was but it the penalty? No, no, that was in the first half. Just okay. the one oh, touch sorry. in the box in the first half. Uh, Mexico really did a great job locking yeah. him down. How did they do it? Because I said on yesterday's show I had zero confidence that they could yeah. forget about they, stopping him, contain him, and they totally well, contained well, they him. Put, they put him so far away from their goal. Away Poland from Mexico, did or Mexico forced him? Mexico forced okay. him with their possession. And, and I thought Edson, Chavez, Hector Herrera were brilliant today. They were, Especially in that first half, brilliant on the ball. Uh, anytime Luis Chavez was on the ball, immediate threat. He was good defensively. Edson almost sitting and anchoring behind that, uh, in front of you, I should say, that defensive line protecting him. Ache Ache, probably the best game I've seen from him. 
Mexico, so Mex World Cup qualifying started. Yeah. You know? So Mexico handles Lewandowski, but the other big thing that, you know, Mexico fans were worried about this wasn't just Lewandowski, it was set pieces uh, in general. There was like three straight corners at one point in the first 10, 15 minutes of the game, and I'm literally having a heart let, attack at each one. But then after that, I really felt like Mexico from set pieces was as good as I've seen them in. I since Juan Carlos Osorio? Fair, fair. Right? Very good. If we go back to Lewandowski. Okay. I've not been this so disappointed in a player, a prime player in Lewandowski like I was this game. Really? Even when they were, if you, if you want to say who gifted or earned a penalty kick. Who was more quiet in, the, in their respective game, Lewandowski or Bale? It's tough, right? It is tough. But Bale made his penalty kick. There it is. He came up. He had the aguacates to hit it, uh -huh. and he slotted it. He took care of it. Robert Lewandowski, his legacy will be what he doesn't do in World Cups now. I mean, give credit to Mexico. What give he credit do to in big tournaments, too. Big Euros tournaments. As well, yeah. Yes. Give credit to Mexico. Give credit to that defensive line, the midfield, how they played, the, the effort they put in to limit service to Robert Lewandowski. But that will be his legacy, what he doesn't do in big tournaments. I, I want to drill down a little bit more on Mexico's performance, specifically the midfield that you talked about. So when the United States plays Wales, the U.S. dominates that first half, and it's what we expected. And I think it's what we also thought that Wales wanted. Mexico dominates possession here. It's probably what we expected, but yeah. I, don't think, I don't think Poland felt as good going in you know, to the halftime break as probably Wales did, or at least weren't as comfortable no. the, with how dominant Mexico had been. Why was Mexico dominant? Was that because those three in the middle, Luis Chavez, Achiache, and Edson Alvarez had a great day? Or was that because Poland let them have the ball? No, they pinned them. They bossed yes, it. Yes, they, they bossed they, they, it. Yeah, the midfield bossed right there. Alexis Vega was a menace. Every time he was on the ball, even when he had his back turned to goal, I felt he could threaten that Polish back line. Chucky kept him honest with his pace. Mm -hmm. A few good uh, crosses in there. Um, Henry Martin, constant work rate. He never, he never has a, a shot on goal. He never has a clear opportunity in front of the goal. But he's doing well, those Henry, things. On the deflection, Edson takes the shot, and Henry gets the deflection. That was maybe Mexico's best chance, right? It may have probably Alexis Vega off the shoulder yeah. when he doesn't catch yes, a clean. Yeah, yeah. But, but they're never really threatening the goal. But they're always just... Moving the ball side to side in a very chippy game. Almost 30 fouls between the two. Uh, very close. 11 corner kicks, 5 and 6. I mean, the game was a little back and forth, just never threatening in front of the goal. So, obviously, we're going to talk about Memocho. Don't worry about it. But I want to kind of comb through a few other fine point details on this game, specifically Mexico subs, because there's not, I don't think, too much to, to criticize Tata Martino on based on the team's performance, based on the 11. Maybe there's one thing that we'll get to in a little bit that I, I didn't quite like or didn't work out, I think, as, as he would have hoped. But when I see these subs, Raul Jimenez and Charlie Rodriguez, those minutes, the two guys minute. off the bench, I was like, Oof. really? That's, yeah. that's the answer? And then the one guy who you and I have disagreed on, but I, I, I definitely see the value of an Antuna. I see the value of Antuna. You wait for the 84th minute to bring him on. Is that, is that Tata Martino putting the wrong guys in, or is that him being too conservative so, instead of going to so win the game? So yesterday I criticized Greg Berhalter for not pulling the trigger soon enough, not recognizing yes. the moment to help his team out. Sometimes you have to leave your team alone because they're doing well. And there was a sound when that sub was made. It was, yeah. <sighs> it was all the, the air. Yeah being let out of those cells. You put Raul Jimenez, who is not fit. You put Charlie Rodriguez, who's had opportunity after opportunity with Tata Martino and can't take advantage of it. And you take out, you take out two players who are doing so mm -hmm. well. Henry Martin in that work rate, the way he was battling, the way he was moving things forward, allowing players to advance to the final third. Ache, Ache, in that position he had in the midfield. And then Antuna's a great, great sub. Pace. 
in the final uh, moments of the game. Sure, I can see the value to that. But you take out the one guy that was always threatening. Anytime Chuki. he... No, he took out Alexis Vega. Yes, yeah. He should have taken out Chuki. Chuki was already done physically. Alexis Vega still had something in the tank, and every time he was on the ball, he looked threatening. Mm. Whether it was back to, go, back to goal or whether he was facing, he looked like he could threaten at any point, any given moment. Data just kind of, you know, made his subs yep. and let Poland back into the game. You know, Poland kind of started with a little bit more direct play into the midfield and then switching the point of attack, finding room, finding outlets, and you were a little nervous in Mexico. Perfect game for Diego Linus. That's there's some part oh, of me that was thinking they, that. They just bring up Diego Linus moment. right now. Yeah. Who, uh, if it's obviously it's not Linus, who would you have brought off the bench? Uh, who would I have brought up yeah. off the bench? Because it, it's clearly not Raúl. It's clearly not Charlie. Antuna, you might have brought on sooner. Orbelín Pineda. Orbelín. He's probably as shifty yeah. as you can get on the ball. But you're right. A Diego Linus and Orbelín Pineda, somebody that's very good in that one v one position. Because when the moments are cagey. When defensive are, defensive systems are tight, they're tense, you need players that can break those schemes. And the 1v1 players are the best players for that. They're the only players that can penetrate right there by themselves, change things, force others to commit, open other players up. And you didn't have that. All right, let's talk about the moment. It's hands down the moment of the match with uh, Memo Choa making the save on Robert Lewandowski just before the hour mark uh, in this one. Herc, it's not the first time that Memo has been that guy in this moment for this team. And it seems like it's very much the World Cup, Herc, that brings the best out of him. And it's crazy to think that this is his fifth World Cup and he's only played three. This is only a third World Cup he's played because his moments are so massive in World Cups. He comes out every four years. Sure, stellar club career, but nobody around the world will say, oh yeah, look what he did in America. Look what he did when he was in Ligue 1, Acacio, or Malaga, sitting on the bench. It's the World Cup. It's when he comes out. You saw it against Neymar in Brazil. You saw it against Croatia. You saw it in Russia against Germany. You're seeing it now again against Robert Lewandowski stopping a penalty kick. You can see the stats right there. Last time Mexico stopped a penalty kick, Oscar Bonfiglio, 1930. I mean, Seb, you were a teenager back then. You remember that. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, you know what's great about this is that this is also, I mean, the big knock on Memo is he doesn't come out, right? He's, he's not aggressive off his line. The other knock on Memo is he's not very good, Herc, at penalties. And so for him to make this save against this player in this moment, a great stat from Mr. Chip, it's the first time, Herc, in World Cup history that one captain has saved the penalty from another captain. It's even more insane when you look at the last nine that he's faced. He's not saved for Mexico. And that club and country, there's like something of over 25 penalty kicks that he's not been able to put out the back of the net. But it's who he blocks. It's Robert Lewandowski. And look at Robert Lewandowski's penalty kicks, the last 10. And it's how the moment. The most massive of moments, the World Cup stage with the whole world watching, it's San Memo. It's Memo Ochoa, again, being the hero for Mexico. You asked me before the tournament who needs to have the biggest tournament. Yes. What did I say? You said Memo Ochoa. Yeah. Because this is what he can do, and this is who he is. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking here about just kind of like the all-time Mexico goalies, right? And, and I think Memo Ochoa is in the conversation for the greatest of all time. Does this somehow, this performance, now a third World Cup where he's stolen the show, Take him up that ranking, or maybe put it a top. Put him atop it for you. He's he's the best. We, 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 we put out a, you know request for questions. Somebody said, where where is FMF going to build his statue now? <laughs> they should just name the hall after him so, at this point. So when you take into account Jorge Campos and that third best goalkeeper of the year award he won, you factor in goals that he scored in Liga MX. There's 
nothing wrong with playing in Liga MX. I played in Liga MX, but the world will not remember yes. you for Liga yeah. MX. The world will remember you for the world. And Cups. the world remembers him, knows him. Like our, our social media team put out a, a picture of him before the World Cup, and people from all over the they world comment, him. "That guy is going to be big." Ochoa. 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 They recognized him in 2014 when it was Memo versus Neymar. Yeah. Got the best of Neymar. Yeah. They recognized him in 2018 versus Germany. They will recognize him now against Poland and Robert Lewandowski. He is that player. He comes out every four years and reminds everybody, I'm that goalkeeper. You put him above Jorge Campos? Yes. Really? Yes. Carvajal, the legendary. I mean, this is from another Tota? era. Tota? Yeah. The ball was so brown. So modern era, he's the best Mexican goalie no, of all time. All time. All time. Okay. I mean, he's got five World Cups to his name, and he comes out every single World Cup that he has played. I don't know how you can make a case that it's not Memo Ochoa. Mm. I mean... People get confused and they blur colors and you're anti-Americanista or yes. you're pro-Americanista and that comes into play with the Mexican national team. He's the most recognizable figure on the international stage in modern history. We kind of scoffed when he International said. stage with Mexico. Because yeah. look, I'm wearing an Hugo Sanchez playera right now and he's the best club player Mexico's ever produced. But when you talk about World, World Cup Cups, moments, yeah. I mean, I don't know who has more big World Cup moments no. Then Memo Ochoa no. for Mexico. Uh, you know, we kind of scoffed at the idea, or at least I did a, a month ago when he talked about a sixth World Cup. It doesn't seem so outlandish after that, does it? He's, what, 36 years old? 37. 37. Yeah. Be uh, 41 for the next one. Talavera's 40 right now. He's the oldest player in the World Cup. His backup. Yeah. So, And the, the next World Cotas, Cup, by the way, is not, getting up there too. is not four years away. It's three and a half. Three and a half. Yeah. Um, all right, let's take a look at uh, Mexico's starting 11 because I think, Herc, there were some big decisions here for Tata Martino. Uh, and actually, I think for the most part, I felt a little bit the same way I felt after first looking at Greg Berhalter's lineup. I didn't really have too much to, to complain about with it. I thought maybe he'd go with Rogelio Funes Mori. He goes with Henry Martin. Right. I like that. Alexis Vega and Chucky Lozano up top. It was the midfield three that we all had hoped. He didn't do anything crazy with Edson. The one thing that you pointed out that you would have done differently yesterday was you said it'd be Araujo uh, instead of Hector Moreno. And I think through the first 20 minutes, every L3 fan was in, agree was in agreement with you yeah. because Hector Moreno was shaky to start this game. Yeah, they were shaky to start this game. I think it's just general nerves, but you wouldn't expect that. I mean, that but from, why from Moreno? Yeah, you wouldn't expect that from Moreno, who's one of your most experienced players. Uh, I would have also gone Arteaga instead of Gallardo. Okay. But Arteaga was pretty solid. Ga Gallardo. I'm Gallardo, sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, Gallardo was yeah. pretty solid. Um, but those are the only two. Everything else, you're right. I would have stayed with Montes, Sanchez, Herrera, Alvarez, Chavez. Chavez is, man, what a, what a player. What, what a baller he is. When he has the ball at his feet, his vision, that touch. We didn't even shoot, see him shoot from distance, but he's got that in his locker. He's always dangerous. Good two-way player. Honest effort on defensive end. And then I thought Alexis Vega was as good as advertised. Yeah. He was dangerous. I, I, I'm enjoying the the second facet of his game because I know he can take players 1v1 I know he's very direct I know he's good on the ball but when Chuki has the ball on the right hand side his willingness and ability to come in as a second forward to join Henry Martin and be somebody como dicen en español cerrando pinza closing that back door if yes, you will yes the wide to wide yes. switches were on and yes the crosses Poland. I mean it's Chuki to Alexis it, it was on it was killing Poland it was causing them uh, some fits and I think that's what made Chesney worried a little a little uh, hesitant yes. if you will yeah there was one point where he comes out and I, you know I don't know anything about goalkeeper I don't know anything about soccer hard you don't but you're supposed <laughs> to attack it at your highest point of course, right? with your hands basket catch uh, I mean, yeah uh, which was crazy you um, give players an opportunity so the one thing that there wasn't any question about in the starting lineup was of course Memo Ochoa and he has the great save I don't know if you caught the clip from Javier Aguirre now two time uh, former Mexican national no. team world cup coach oh, no. what happened uh, so he was on television Our man. and he was talking about like the lineup and he said oh 
There's only one player that I would take out of it, but I'm not going to tell you who. They go okay. off air. He did not. Hot mic? Yeah, hot mic oh. moment. And he said it was Memo Choa. You think he's taking that back now? <laughs> Probably. There's some context there. Do you guys remember who benched Memo Choa for El Conejo yeah. in 2010? Yeah. It was Javier Masco. Aguirre. And leading up to that World Cup, that, that year, World Cup year, Memo Choa had two huge gaffes. One against, I believe, South Korea in Torreon, where he lets the ball come through his hands. And then. Three days later, four days later, against Puebla, your boy hit a free kick. Oh, that's right. Into his chest. Yes. Yes. And in the upper V, and he didn't play for Mexico again. Uh, Those two errors, one for the Mexican national team and one for Club America, had Javier Aguirre toss him out, and he didn't get to play his first real World Cup. He had to wait behind El Conejo. And listen, Mexico got out of the group. Mm -hmm. They beat that French team with Chicharito. But think about now. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty. Knowing what you know about his big-time performance on the international stage in this type of competition. Oh, yeah. So, right in front of Memo, we had the central defense, uh, which was tasked with stopping this guy, Robert Lewandowski. We talked about Hector Moreno, but we got to talk about Cesar Montes. World Cup debut. A guy who, for many, is in the is in the shop window, right? Potentially ahead of a big move to Europe. Yeah. Whoo, stock up, right? Stock up for uh, Cesar Montes. I mean, if you're going to give anybody on this team credit for shutting down Lewandowski, you're going with Montes, right? So With an assist to Edson, probably? The U23 tournament, which is the Olympics, kicked off. The Olympics, the Olympics, the Olympics in Tokyo, kicked off. Okay. Not qualifiers, the actual Olympics. Your favorite Mexican player of, like, the fad was... Johan, Johan, Johan. You and Mauricio Pedrosa wouldn't stop talking about Johan. And I'm like, Johan hey, Vasquez, Johan yes, Vasquez. Plays like, in Syria right this, now, yep. this kid, Cesar Montes, mm-hmm. he's good. He's actually the best defender for the Mexican national team in that tournament. And he was. Goes to Monterrey, has a hell of a year. The following year, there are talks of him leaving. Talks of him leaving to go to Russia. Mm-hmm. Russia. And he was, with it everything sounded that's, like he was on board for it. With everything that's yep. going on. And the Mexican Monterrey's directiva, their board, Punished him yep. for not working out a deal, so he was benched. So he kind of got shoved to one side, and you weren't paying attention to him. But he was still playing for Mexico and playing very well. He continues to be the most consistent defender, the best defender, and he will continue to be their marquee defender going abroad after this tournament. Uh, would you make any changes to this 11th thinking ahead to the Argentina game? Because for me, there is one obvious one. Nestor Araujo has to come in. I think Hector Moreno, we saw today, he's just not up for this level. Well... Is that being harsh? Am I being yeah, harsh on maybe, Hector Moreno? Yeah, maybe a harsh for this level because but I will I will add this into your favor of the comments. Now that's one game under his belt. You know? This is a young man's game as I told you. There's gonna be three games in about ten days. Mm-hmm. You can't bank on Hector Moreno who's on the other side of thirty feeling good for that game. A game that Argentina is gonna come in. Cochillo entre los dientes, mm-hmm. playing for their lives must because win, must win desperation mode. You need somebody else. I think Nestor Araujo is the the easy choice here. Henry do enough to earn another start? He did for me, yes. Yeah? Yes, but I think he'll go with Rogelio Funes Mori. Really? Yeah. Why? Just yeah. Argentine factor. Yeah? yeah there's, there's something special there. Is that real? I, Can I ask you, as a Mexican-American absolutely. who's you played against Mexico, absolutely. Will, will Rogelio Funes Mori be? It takes you to a different really? level. You want to show yourself. You want to prove yourself. You, you, you want. It's a special game for you. It means something for you. So this, no doubt, will mean something for Tata, and it will mean something for Rogelio Funes Mori. And I, n- no disrespect to, to Henry, because I thought Henry was fantastic. I thought he did everything you asked of him that he wants from his nine. I mean, Tata Martino's nine isn't to score goals, as crazy as that sounds, that's what he has said. 
and you asked of him to do this, he did it for you, but I think he'll go with Rogelio for this game. There's one part of this midfield that I want to focus on specifically. I think Luis Chavez shown today. I think Edson, you know, did his thing. What did you think about Hector Herrera's performance? I liked it. Really? I thought it was his best what performance. What specifically? Uh, he's just a different level of calmness on the ball. His decision making, you know, when to slow down, when guess, to speed guess, up, when to cross the ball. He's so smooth on the ball. Uh, I mean, look at the dangerous plays they led through yeah. Hector Herrera. Yeah. Uh, do you think he's going to be able to go three full games as a starter, though? And if not, what, what else, what could, what, who else could possibly replace him? History wouldn't tell you, the most recent history of his play in Major League Soccer, that he's probably not there physically. Right. And Tata Martino's comments about how, yeah. what was the word he used? Uh, Fuera de ritmo was no, this about ritmo? Yeah, Borrose. Yeah, it was pretty much how disappointed he was that he went yeah. to MLS. Yeah. That would indicate he's not as sharp as... It was a waste, he said. It was a waste. Yeah. Desperdicio. Desperdicio, yeah. Thank you, Professor <laughs> Beto. Desperdicio. A waste. If it was a waste back then, a month heading into this very important game, asking him to play back-to-back -back games against a very complicated opponent, maybe too much. But Achach is the guy you need for Argentina, right? I mean, or, at, or his optimal level, at his optimal level, okay. yes. But playing less than his physical level, his optimal level... Maybe there's a room in there for an Orbelin Pineda. I don't understand the Char Charlie Rodriguez experiment. You know, I didn't understand it when he was Every in Monterrey. Every coach has his guys, clearly, right? But when he was I in mean, Monterrey. Greg Berhalter puts in Jordan Morris. Why? And at one time he was put in a wheel trap, and I understand yeah. it then, and it didn't make sense, so he was out. This is one of those players for me. I don't understand Charlie Rodriguez and what he's done with the national team mm -hmm. to keep earning these opportunities when Oribe, I'm sorry, Orbelin Pineda. Lighten it up in Greece. He's got four yep. months underneath him right now. You have to factor that in. We saw Mendy yesterday with two errors, right? Mm -hmm. Is he starting right now for Chelsea? No. No. It's Kepa. No. So you don't have a month right now to get those players active. you got to go with the form they're in. Orbelin is in form. These yeah. Liga Mekis players, they've been sitting around standing for almost a month. October 23rd was America's last game. They made it to the semis. They made it to the semis. Yeah, it's been a while. You said the same thing about the Major League Soccer guys uh, as well. So Mexico and Poland ends in a scoreless draw, but that's only ha her half the story uh, in Group C. Because for those of you folks back in the States who maybe didn't wake up super early, you missed an all-time shocker between Argentina and Saudi Arabia. Argentina taking an early lead through a Lionel Messi penalty kick, and they actually her added two more goals in the first half only to see those disallowed thanks to offside calls. One through a, safe to say, very controversial VAR. The first one on Lautaro, that shoulder. Lautaro, yeah. Ah, you can score that. with the shoulder. So, I mean, listen, we could sit here and say, oh, it's controversial, but, but it's, it's automated. Yep, I mean, yep. <laughs> Got to believe the computers, right? Second half was a different story. Saudi Arabia goals five minutes apart. Argentina couldn't find an equalizer, and Argentina sees their 36th match unbeaten streak come to a stunning end here at the 2022 World Cup. Just how big an upset was it, Herc? It is the biggest World Cup upset. So I have this right? Since 2006? Is that right? Holy mackerel. You think wow. so? Wow. Uh, 2002, Portugal losing to the States was one. France losing to Senegal. You didn't, throw any, you didn't throw any of your uh, your big money on that plus 2,500? Hey, what a rich man. You would be a rich man. I give credit to Saudi uh, Saudi Arabia. I of mean, course, of course. They did. They. It, I think, you know, people who watch this game will know that it, uh, of course, Argentina had had possession, had their chances, but it wasn't a fluke. Uh, let's let's turn it to, the, we'll talk about the Saudi Arabia-Argentina angle in just a sec. Let's focus it in on Mexico because okay. huge debate on the ESPN Deportes side, in our WhatsApp group, in our production meeting. Uh, is Argentina losing to Saudi Arabia? Good news for Mexico 
or bad news for Mexico? Terrible news for Mexico. Terrible. Terrible news for Mexico, especially given what we know. Mm -hmm. Okay, that they've already tied. Mexico has tied. That's yes. only one point. Uh, Argentina's playing for their life. Mm -hmm. They're playing for life. This game ended, and I could hear the Argentine colleagues next door to us. We still have life. We still have the life. Counters, weren't, weren't they playing for their lives today? <laughs> I mean, it's a World Cup. Every it's game, World Cup. every game. But That's this game, okay. Mexico loses. What happens? If Mexico loses this game? To Argentina. For Mexico? Yes. Oh, there's still a chance. There's still a chance? Yeah. Okay, and, and what happens with Poland? Wait, it depends. It's wide open. Yeah. You didn't want it to be wide open. You didn't want three teams contested. You wanted to contest with Poland. That was the idea. Right. Contest with Poland. Not contest with three teams and Argentina coming from behind. This is terrible for them. Mexico is playing for their life mm -hmm. against Argentina in game two. But Mexico's not playing for their life because they got a point in Argentina. No, they're playing didn't. for their life. It's one point. Wait a sec. No, 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 it's no, It's no, one no. point. Yes, and you beat Saudi Arabia. You got four. What you do you think happens if you through. lose? You don't have a shot because there's three other teams. It, you're leaving yeah, it way up to spots. chance. You're leaving, away, you're leaving it up to chance. Well, yeah. I mean, Argentina okay. losing was the worst thing that could happen to this group. If you're Poland, if you're Mexico. The worst thing that could have happened to this group. One of those two was going to go in second. Mm -hmm. Now you just let Saudi Arabia into the mix. Well, what, doesn't that open up the, the pathway to the top seed in this group now for Mexico? Do you think Mexico's going to be the top one, seed in this group? I, hey, you just said anything could happen. Anything could happen, right? No, no, no. Mexico I'm telling you what happened. Mexico? Saudi Arabia beat Argentina. How do you feel about facing Saudi Arabia? Yeah, it's not the easy game that I thought it was. For one or two. A, it's still a game or you three. have to win. One, two, or it's three for them. You have to win. One, two, you have to Sep, listen to what I'm saying. It is no Argentina's longer. Argentina is the team is no that's longer. eliminated with a loss against Mexico. Not Mexico. Not Mexico. Argentina is 35. Was it 35 or 36 Six, games? 36. 36 games that they weren't unbeaten. You're trying to make sure. They just lost you're to trying Saudi to bet, Arabia. You're trying to bet lightning in a bottle twice, back to back. That's what you're trying to bet on. Well, nobody against a team that's eliminated Mexico. How many times in a World Cup? Let me tell you, why I think it's a good with thing. the best player in the world. Oh, was he great today? What they happened? They called three goals back for offsides, close offsides. One, one polemic, if you will, penalty mm -hmm. kick. And you want to bet on, hey, we're good. Everything's okay. Oscar Ruggeri, 1986 World mm -hmm. Cup winner, telling me about how terrible this is for the group before the Mexico game started. Do you know what that Mexico game is versus Argentina, he was telling me? Do you know how the players Vida will muerte. Be? Vida muerte. Claro. That's the game you want in game two? I know it's the World Cup and it's so easy but to say, it's the World Cup, hey. you gotta play against everybody. This is the worst possible outcome the truth if is you're you, a Mexico fan. The truth is, you it was to always going to be difficult against Argentina. Poland. It was always going to be difficult against Argentina. Whether they were motivated, 100% so motivated, fearing their let elimination. Let me ask you a question. Here you have a chance to knock out let a direct rival. And by the, way, by the way, if they win this game, we are talking about, and there's a possibility, if they win this game, we're talking First about place. Mexico winning the group. And what yeah. does that open up to all the possibilities? Quinto partido. Yeah, France you or know Denmark. Going, you, well, you know going in, you'd much rather me, go in first me, than let second. Me, let, me, let me ask you a question. When you projected the wins, ties, and losses from Ah, projections are oh, out the window now. Let me ask you a, que let me ask you a question. What did you project wins, losses, and ties for Mexico? I projected a win against... Saudi Arabia, a tie against Poland, and probably a loss against Argentina, right? Okay. And a win against Poland is the decisive game that, that one, definitely one locks you One, one, and one. Yeah. You got your tie now. Where are you going to get your victory? 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. What do you think the Mexican locker room was saying while watching the Argentina game? You think they were, they were worried about it? I'd be a little worried. I think so. Really? I, I think you that, think they're saying, oh, no, they're really going to try now. And, and you know what? I think this is why we saw such a tense first half from, the, from both of them. No, nobody, it's cagey. Nobody yeah. wanted to make a mistake. I think that's why we saw that. So one of the things that was a big worry for me as I looked at how the schedule of this group laid out was Poland would get... Mexico first, uh, and then Saudi Arabia, and then get Argentina. And had Argentina won their first two games, Argentina could have been through and qualified for the knockout rounds by the third game. Take the foot off the gas, make a bunch of changes, rest guys, because we know the goals for Argentina are not the group phase, right? They are to make a deep run in this tournament. Poland then could have gotten something against a weaker Argentina, and now Poland's got to go against a super-motivated Argentina in that last game. And at the end of the day, right. I still believe right. I still believe that it's Poland and Mexico for that second spot. As, as great as Saudi Arabia was today, Mexico, I believe, is a favorite over them in that last game of the group phase. Not from what I saw from Saudi I saw a team that was intense, yep. as intense as we've seen in this World Cup, that played football in a 25-meter space. You know Ooh. how difficult that is? I mean, they lean on that VAR, huh? <laughs> I'm wearing my anti-VAR social club with, here. With an experienced head coach yeah. that's already led two African champions, they're a very good team. And, and by the way, they're almost the locals here. Mm -hmm. Do you see how many Saudi Arabians were in that stadium? Do you hear the noise when they scored? Hey, and they didn't just score. The, the Mexicans at 974, yeah, they were there too. Mexican, okay? Mexican fans in international football are, yeah. are always the best when it comes to, to World Cups. But I'm saying it's not going to be an easy Somos game. Locales and, and otra did, you, did you see the type of goals they scored? That's a dangerous team. Don't go in and see Saudi Arabia's got no footballing history like a lot of my colleagues are saying, and you're going to overmatch them because of your history. That's what Argentina just said. That's what Argentina thought. This will be a difficult game. Mm -hmm. They're going to be playing for first and second place as well. Uh, I know they're different teams, Saudi Arabia and Mexico. Is there anything Mexico can take from Saudi Arabia that they could apply to beating Argentina or trying to get a point against the Argentina? Intensity. Uh, they they smacked just Argentina. that anything tactically. Well, they smacked Argentina. Yes, they smacked Argentina in the mouth. Okay. Okay. They respected them, did not fear them, kept going at them. And tactically, it's how they played football in that 25 meters of space. How intense they were to block those shots. A lot like we saw Poland uh, today earlier in that first half, and Mexico, if you will, stifling, never giving the opponent anything. But they did it in 25 meters space. I think if you eliminate that 25 meter space, or you have that, you eliminate Messi. Mm. You make it very difficult for Messi to get on the ball. It's not the same Messi. Messi's a very good player, and Messi at open space can hurt anybody in the world. But he's not the same player as 10 years ago. Is is that high line something you can just... I feel like that's something that has to be so well-orchestrated. I mean, and clearly, 
uh, Harvard Bernard, the, the French manager for yes. Saudi Arabia, clearly Bernard. had has that team trained to it. If that's not what Mexico always does, that's not something you can just you can't just flip that switch, one, right? One, You're of, the thing, for one of the things I think is is favorable for Mexico in this tournament is a lot of the teams that I've been watching mm -hmm. high lines, and I think that favors Mexico. Mexico, like if you give them space to operate, space for. Chucky, Alexis. In behind, space in behind, in behind you're saying. They yeah. will take care of it. We've seen it. Every single game of the World Cup, there's been space. Mm -hmm. There's been a moment, there's been a half where you're like, wow, this high line's hurting this team. Wow, they're really, they're really uh, um, betting on this high pressure and how they can take the ball away. And when they don't, it's, it's business for the, oppo the opposition, for the, uh, the, oppo the opposing team, excuse me. Uh, that could hurt Saudi Arabia, especially with a team like Mexico that's so good in transition. So Saudi Arabia then pulling the shocker over Argentina. Let's change gears a little bit here because there's a rule on this show. Generally, you should never, ever read the comments. Oh. But sometimes, every once in a while, when social media is really teeming, okay. right? And the creative juices are out there flowing. This sounds like you, a producer Beto segment. You gotta, you gotta <laughs> lean in to what's happening on Twitter. We got some great memes uh, coming out of this Saudi Arabia upset. The first one, oh, uh oh you hate to see it. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, Argentine flag and the uh, tear emoji. Did you, uh, you sent this to your boy, right? Uh, you know what, I do have two of my best friends in the world, uh, Sebi and, and Nico are from Argentina. I have not texted them too oh, much yet. No. Ah, como no. al diez. Uh, Maradona, not very pleased, I guess, uh, from wherever he's watching. As uh, Argentina sees that historic 36 match unbeaten streak snapped. Do we have one more? Ah, see, uh, this is it. Come on. Yeah, we go from a, a handball counting to a shoulder taking away was a really good goal for Argentina, one that would have been decisive My Brits uh, in from that South Argentina against Saudi Arabia. So what does it all mean for Group C as we wrap up day one in the group featuring Argentina, Mexico, Saudi Arabia, and Poland? So What's that SPI say? Very interesting there. The computers say? believe that Saudi Arabia now has the best chance to advance, Argentina second best, uh, and Mexico third best ahead of Poland. How do the odds makers see it? So the odds makers aren't quite going with the computer, are they, Herc? No. They've got uh, Argentina big favorites, Mexico second what favorites. Are the computers now? Saudi Arabia has leapfrogged Poland, uh, according to the odds makers, as the uh, third choice then to get out of Group C. All right, from Group C, we turn our attention back to Group B, where we find the U.S. men's national team coming off their. 1-1 draw on Monday night against Wales. Team training at Al Garafa Stadium, which has been their home throughout the 2022 World Cup. Of course, the big star for Monday night's game, the man that scored the goal, Tim Weah. And our big star, Sam Borden, had a chance to speak with Weah late last night. All right, so we're going to work on uh, Sam Borden's interview with Tim Weah. Bring that to you. Uh, let's talk about Tim Weah, though, because he made some history, Herc, in this game. Did you know what he did? What did he do? He was the first player to score against Wales in a World Cup since a young man named Pelé back in 1958 at 17 years old. That's special. So wait, repeat that. So the first player 
to score against Wales in a World Cup since Pelé did it in 1958, I believe it was the quarterfinals, wow. is Timothy freaking Weah. Wow, that's how long it's been since Wells has been in okay. the tournament. <laughs> yeah, but, but still it's a good cool company. stat. It's good company being. Yes, yes. Uh, and I don't know if you saw on Instagram, actually, Pelé slid into his comments and said, you know, congratulations. Hey, that's got to put your you know, chest out a little bit. I think if, um, if my man didn't have uh, those vibes already. Yes, yeah, he seems like a very uh, a confident guy. Tim Weah was not a surprise, Herc, maybe yesterday in the lineup. But I think some people were surprised not to see Brendan Aronson in that spot. Right. Did Weah do enough to say, all right, he's a starter the rest of the way here for the United States? Because I believe beyond that goal, he was very, very impactful in the game. Yeah, he, he, he's been the talk of the town here. Um, Automatic starter for the rest of the group phase? Well, for the next game, yeah, okay. I believe Just, so. Okay. And when I mean the talk of the town is my colleagues here at ESPN Deportes, they wouldn't stop asking me about Timothy Weah. A lot of them didn't know it was George Weah's son. Hmm. You know, had no idea, yeah. but they loved how direct he is. They love his movement. They love his willingness to exploit that space. There we see the comment from Pele. Look at that. Pele says, "Congratulations! It was a beautiful goal. Keep dreaming. Dreams come too." Timothy Way, of course, uh, responding as you would to Pele with a very big thank you. Let's hear from Tim Way and Alice Sanborn. Tim, when you walk away from the stadium after that result. What's your feeling? Um, uh, I don't know. You feel good at the same time. You feel, you feel feel bad to not get the win. I mean, it's a great feeling scoring my first uh, goal in my first World Cup game. Um, dream come true, but um, it would have been sweeter definitely with the win. But um, you have to take the positives out of it, positives and negatives. But you know, we just have to get back into training and rebuild on what we did well and fix the things we didn't do well. and hopefully come out much better. You mentioned it, your first World Cup game, your first World Cup goal. How would you describe how that goal played out and what it felt like to score? Uh, you know, when I see Christian with the ball, I just know that I have to run, run in behind. You know, one-on-one -on -one against Hennessy was, was definitely was definitely difficult because he's such a big goalkeeper, so I had to figure out how I was going to finish it and ended up hitting it with the outside of my foot. And, you know, uh, just thank God, thank my family, thank my teammates for pushing me every day. It's a dream come true to score in a World Cup. Um, and hopefully I can provide more for the team, for sure. What was the difference between the first half and the second half? Um, I think, uh, you know, as you said, we came out flying definitely in the first half. And I think that that kind of took a lot of energy from us uh, coming into the second half. And then obviously Kiefer Moore came in and... You know, you have to focus on him and his height, and, you know, it was kind of difficult, and, you know, they had more possession, and, you know, it is what it is. We just have to, you know, get back to the playbooks and, you know, tighten, fine-tune some things, and, yeah. A win would have set you up in a great position to advance out of the group. A draw leaves you in a little bit of a dicier spot. How do you look at the situation going forward? I mean, we just have to think of it as, as a positive. You know, uh, we, did, we didn't lose. Um, in group stages, there's always two more games. So we just have to, you know, put this Wales game aside, fix what we need to fix, and then, you know, it's on to the next. Sure. Thanks very much. Listening to that interview, I'm reminded of something you said on last night's show, right? Tale of two halves. Right. Tim Weah seems to back that up there. Yeah, well, he talks about the amount of energy that they exerted in that first half and how it cost him in the second. It, you, you have to remember, Timothy Weah was injured mm -hmm. and started coming back to play in a different position towards the end of the season. Not a lot of minutes under his belt. Christian Pulisic hasn't been playing a lot. Serginho Dest injured and coming back. Uh, Giovanni Reina, tight or not tight, we'll talk about it soon. Uh -huh. uh, but also... Uh, 
there was a case to be made for, for a guy like Anthony Robinson playing on one leg. He's got ligament damage. He's playing on one leg all season. Uh, Weston McKinney injured as well. Coming back. You factor all that in, the emotional and physical exertion, and it's Greg Berhalter. It leads me back to Greg Berhalter, his lack of understanding of what the moment asked for, knowing that they were running out of gas and they were being bossed in that midfield and that Weston was non-existent at that moment because he just had nothing else in the tank, you had to pull that trigger. The same way that Rob Page, that coach, the coach of uh, Wells, pulled that trigger, and you didn't. I like what he said about Christian Pulisic. He says, when Christian Pulisic is going, like, yeah. I know what to do. I wonder if there's a lot of guys on that team that kind of feel that way when yeah. he gets on the ball and is ripping down at the other defense. Let's, let's lock in now on one of the big stories from Monday night, and it's a player who actually didn't play, Gio Reyna, and also the explanation for why he didn't play and the player that Greg Berhalter chose to play ahead of him. So Jeff Carlisle, great reporter. He's, uh, he's doing great work here on the ground. You can read his work over at ESPN. Com. Here's what he said first when uh, interviewing Greg Berhalter up after the game as he's explaining why he went with Jordan Morris instead of Gio. In the face of the game we were at, we went with Jordan, who we felt could give us speed and power. Uh, he would go on to explain a little bit more. It was trying to get him up to speed, speaking about Gio Berhalter here. There was some tightness we were guarding against. Jeff fills in there in the scrimmage against Algarapa. Remember, there was that uh, kind of joint session right. just a few days before the World Cup. Now, of course, Jeff also heard from Gio Reyna. Here's what Gio Reyna had to say. I feel really good. I feel great. I feel fine. Jeff would ask if Berhalter communicated the fact that he wasn't going to use him. Berhalter doesn't have to tell me why he didn't put me in or why he does, but I'm 100% I'm good to go. So we hear tightness on one side, and then we hear 100% I'm good to go. That's a pretty big discrepancy, isn't it, Herc? What's going on? I don't know. You tell me. You've been in a dressing room like that. The player says he's good to go? Okay. Mm -hmm. Unless there's some medical scan that proves otherwise, he should be good to go, right? I understand sometimes you want to save the player from himself. But you have Greg backtracking on his comments. Right. You have him saying one thing, it then backtracking. Tactical, yes. And then we hear something else. And you're hearing something else. This does Jordan Morris no favors. Mm. This does Greg Berhalter no favors. And it does Gio Reyna no favors, who would have been of necessity yesterday when they yeah. lack creativity, I, when they lack somebody on the ball. Explain to me speed and power, because my understanding is that you needed a goal. Whatever you needed, Gio Reyna's better for it than Jordan Morris, isn't he? Like, so what, what speed is and power is he wanted to take advantage of the space in transition, which may have been there if you had the ball. You didn't have the ball, yeah. so that to me dictates that you needed the ball. You needed technique. You needed technical ability. You needed vision. You needed understanding. You needed that IQ. That's where Gio Reyna comes in. Again, my big issue with Greg Berhalter is that the players to him are pawns. They're pieces on a chessboard. The game is fluid. These players are human. They are real. There's things you cannot control or win. There are battles that cannot be won on a tactical, tactical board, and that is one of Greg Berhalter's biggest deficiencies. Mm. He thinks the game is won before it's played. It is not. Mm. I mean, this, as you say, it probably does no favors for Jordan Morris, right? There's, there's, there's some other kind of interesting comments that I think are worth, worth diving into here, because Berhalter also added that they did a, quote, last-minute check on Reyna and that he thinks he'll play in this tournament. Oh. Is, that, is, that, is there maybe some smoke screen there to, to not tell the opponent what do you mean not tell what's the opponent? happening? Uh, like, I don't know. I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. Like, it's, it seems like we're, we're not somebody. We're getting misinformation from somewhere oh, here. Oh, good, because Aaron Southgate's going to be like, oh, did you see this about Gio Reyna? <laughs> yeah. 
No. What, are we, what are we doing here? If he's good to go, play him. Is it frustrating for Reyna? Like from of that course. perspective? You, you yeah. can hear the frustration. Yeah. You can read between the lines. Yeah. Read between the lines and you can just smell the tension and frustration coming out of Gio Reyna. I would be frustrated as well, especially when you're a player of that ceiling, the highest ceiling of any national team player, and you have handcuffs on you. And those handcuffs are Greg Berhalter. Okay. Uh, let's hear from Bruce Arena because he had something very interesting to say that he told to some of the reporters over at MLSsoccer.com. Bruce Arena, of course, a legendary U.S. men's national team manager. And after the Wales game, he had some eh, interesting thoughts. Here's what he had to say. Quote, But it's also clear this team in this cycle didn't have enough experiences against quality international teams to be fully ready for a World Cup. That's mainly because of the pandemic, so it's hard to toss blame, but it's also a fact we played a bunch of CONCACAF games that were way too easy. You need those top-tier teams that really challenge you. All right, Herc. Bruce Arena's a legend. Is it time for him to get lost, or is he speaking some truth here about the U.S.? Some truth? Yeah. I mean, Tata Martino will tell you the same thing. It happens with Mexico, and it happened because of the pandemic, and it happened because of the CONCACAF Nations League, the UEFA Nations League. You can't get that quality opponent anymore. You have to bank on different opponents for these friendlies, for these preparation games. So, yeah, there's some truth in hey, that. It wasn't terrible opponents. You know, they, they did get some World Cup opponents, Morocco, uh, Japan. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Um, so there is some truth to that. Well, who do you want him to play? You can't play anybody in Europe because of Nations well, League. Well, I, I, I just explained to you. So there is some truth to that. He, he is telling you some truth. They didn't have that preparation, right? Like they would have liked. Like Who'd you play in the build-up like to 2010? Uh, I don't know. I wasn't part of that build-up. But you don't remember who they I played remember the part, in the, the, the build-up. I remember the build-up in 2014. Okay. Germany. Uh -huh. You beat Germany in D.C. Mm -hmm. You went and played against. Uh, that was the in the summer of 2013. You, that you was a year before the World Cup. Yeah. Well, That's what, not what the build-up. We're talking US, about the run-up. US play? It's all that, Seb. It's all. That's how you get this experience. In 2014, when they got out of the group, the, the group of death, okay, they played the Netherlands, they played Italy, they played Belgium. All these teams in Europe, they, they beat Italy. Jurgen Klinsmann was great at getting not just good opposition, but good opposition in Europe. Okay, yeah. but you know what? You know where he can get lost? Hmm. Remind me who was the head coach of the team that <laughs> failed to qualify for the 2018 World Cup. Uh, in those, quote, way too easy games? Yes. Yes, it was Bruce Arena. Get lost. Oh, there it is. A, a get lost after some truth uh, for Bruce Arena. Okay, so there it is. That's the story in Group B as the U.S. men's national team draws 1-1 against Wales. So what do the standings look like? What's that? 2009 was Confederations. That's the lead up to it. Yes. yes. Yeah, it's Spain, 36-game unbeaten streak. Yes. U.S. beats them. It's a year before the Italy. World Cup, but... Oh, okay. I'll be generous. I'll count it as part oh, of the build. -up. Czech Republic. Here's Group B. Uh, England. Wow, the oddsmakers are loving them to win it all. 93% uh, USA still, according to both the computers and the oddsmakers, the favorite to grab the second spot out of Group B. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's get back to uh, Mexico's scoreless draw against Poland. What a joy to welcome into the show Alexis Nunes. She was there live at Stadium at 974 uh, in Doha. Uh, Alexis, we've been telling people on this show, when Mexico goes to a World Cup, it is a party. Oh, yeah. It is an absolute party. So uh, describe to me the atmosphere there, especially in terms of the Mexican fans for this Mexico-Poland match. Yeah, guys, I think the world should definitely know by now that ain't no party like a Mexico party. And you know the World Cup really feels like it begins when the Mexican (laughs) fans come. I mean, it was quite a walk, I must say, from the drop-off point for the Ubers and the taxis and stuff like that. It was about... 19 minute walk for me and you know I don't like walking but that entire way Mm. I loved it because I was surrounded (laughs) by Mexico fans and they were singing non-stop and I was kind of not worried as you can see they're still singing Viva Mexico because honestly I was a bit worried going into this I mean we've spoken so much about how this Mexican team that's here at this World Cup um, there's been a cloud a dark cloud over them everyone wondering what to really expect probably wanting a bit more star power maybe wanting a bit more players at 100% playing at the highest level as we compare them to some of the others, especially in this group that we thought was going to be quite difficult, but now it seems quite wide open. But they were full of song. They brought the mariachis. They brought drinks, dare I say, and they didn't even need the actual beer to have a great time. Oh. The stadium itself was about 90% Send it Mexico. This way. The stadium itself was about 90% Mexico. Wow. We, we, we might as well have been um, at the Azteca. There was a little pocket of Polish fans and then a couple of others that, that were spread out around the rest of the stadium and I felt so bad for them because they were trying to get a chant going and kept going Polska and it was immediately just outnumbered by so many Mexican songs. You know we love that song so much and uh, it was just an absolute party. It really was a party and I think overall I would say that they're quite pleased. They're, they're quite pleased to a certain extent with the result today because they did give the players a round of applause um, once the full-time whistle was blown. Okay, talk to me about that tense moment for Mexican fans when the penalty is called. The reaction from the Mexican fans and then the reaction when San Memo again makes his presence felt in another World Cup. I mean, the only person that received more boos than the referee was Robert Lewandowski himself because every time he touched the ball, he was treated with boos. And as soon as he stepped up to take that penalty, I don't even know. I mean, he must he's a professional. He must have blinders on. But everyone, there was a line of... I, was over, I want to say I was over in the Mexican section, but really, like I said, 90% of the stadium was the Mexican section. And so many people actually turned their backs because they could not watch it. I mean, after everything that they felt that they, they, they were fighting, to hold on and they were having some chances they were like no is everything going to be derailed now and you're going to have to play catch up we know how important it is to win the first match of a world cup and as soon as memo san memo oh my memo as soon as he 
saved that penalty. It was absolute <laughs> scenes. As you know, people like to say in the UK, it was limbs everywhere. Even I had to like kind of throw myself and I ended up hugging people I don't even know. But now I know them tonight because who doesn't love a Memo Ochoa save? I mean, everyone started serenading um, Memo after that. And it was truly a brilliant atmosphere. If there was anyone listening from the outside, you would have thought that Mexico actually scored a goal. But you know what? Shaka Hislop will be happy because the goalkeeper definitely, definitely got all the praise for this one. And Memo Ochoa, are we really that surprised? Well, very anti Shaka Hislop. Hey, as long as Shaka's happy, uh, yeah. I think we're all happy. And Shaka's usually happy, so yeah, no problems there. Uh, Alexis, I want to ask you about a, a couple things specifically that you may or may not have heard uh, in the stadium. Of course, throughout the build-up to this World Cup, there's been a, a storyline around this Mexican team. We've heard the homophobic chant during the goal kick, especially when it's the opposition goalie. I wonder, one, if you heard that chant at all, and also if at any point during this game you heard another chant that we've heard a lot in this build-up, and that is Fuera Tata, Tata out from the Mexican fans. Did you hear either of those today? Well, actually, thankfully, we didn't hear anything um, that had to do with Tata. Uh, it was actually as if, you know, he was pretty much good in everybody's books here. Uh, that's the number one chance I was actually listening out for. But we did hear some unsavory language, I must report, especially when the referee did award Poland that penalty. So much so that I think it took a while for officials. I'm not sure. Probably there are some Polish players that were on the pitch and maybe heard that chance a couple of times and maybe made it known to the officials exactly what the trans translation was because uh, towards the end of the game we did hear over the loudspeaker um, they came on and they said I just want to remind the fans to stop using discriminatory language and chants it will not be tolerated football is for everyone and we do not want to hear that chant again and I think after a while everyone kind of knew exactly what they were referring to luckily it was towards like I said the end of the game so we didn't get to hear it um, again but it was probably the only ugly side that we saw from this game and otherwise what was an unbelievably brilliant atmosphere. All right, there she is, Alexis Nunez, our intrepid reporter on the ground here in Qatar. Alexis, great to have you with us. <laughs> Time now for us to turn our attention to the Canadian men's national team, CONCACAF's finest throughout World Cup qualifying. What a moment. Canada, just about 24 hours from kicking off their first World Cup campaign in 36 years. And who better to help us celebrate that than Dwayne DiRosario, MLS legend, longtime Canadian international. Dwayne, great to have you with us here on Football Americas. Welcome to the show. I appreciate you guys, man. Thank you for having me on. All right, so let's start very big picture here, right? It has been since 1986 that Canada has not been able to qualify for a World Cup. So for the folks back home, the folks back in Canada, can you put this in perspective? Like, what does this mean to the country? Oh, man, it's, it's, it's really hard to find one word, but it's, it's monumental. It's uh, game-changing. It, it, we're looking at, you know, grassroots right up to professional level. Everybody's going to benefit from this huge accomplishment for Canada qualifying for the World Cup um, and the way we've done it. We, we didn't only qualify, but we qualified in style on top of CONCAF, you know, first first team to, to uh, on top of CONCAF and, and, you know, looking at, you know, four years away from now, us hosting, being co-host of the World Cup, it's 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 monumental. And I, like I said, it's, you know, I, these guys are living out our dream. You know, I, I put blood, sweat and tears, fell short of that accomplishment of helping Canada qualify for World Cup. But seeing these guys live out my dream, 
Man, I just, I just, I'm, I'm over the moon for these guys. Dwayne Herc here. Let's talk a little bit more about that. You were with Canada through those tough times, those blood, sweat, and tears. You couldn't get it done then, but to see this group now and do it in the way they've done it, I mean, what, it, what does that mean to you? I mean, it, again, it just shows the world, most importantly, and in Canada, because I don't think, you know, the narrative back in the day was, you know, soccer wasn't getting a lot of support. We weren't getting the interest we... We, we deserved and um, you know now everybody's following the team everybody's following the progressive team everybody can't wait and is anticipating for tomorrow's match and it's just um, it, it's a buildup of a lot of things you know to sit here I we can't overlook the contributions of MLS and what that league has done if you look at um, Canada's national team as well as US and even Mexico now how many teams um, how many sorry how many players have have played in MLS and how much MLS has contributed to a, a lot of uh, player success including mine so you know I think that was the first stepping stone in building this sport in the right direction now we have our own Canadian professional league and it's only getting bigger and bigger all right so let's talk about group F here because it ain't an easy one you got Belgium you got Croatia and you got Morocco. What are your thoughts on the group and how Canada stacks up against the rest in there? Listen, man, we've seen an upset of upsets. We've seen Saudi Arabia um, beat Argentina. And they didn't just beat them by a luck of a goal. They beat them with class. They beat them with high speed, mm. tempo. And um, so anything's possible. And I think as a Canadian uh, player, you're looking at that and you're looking at Belgium and say, you know what, I like, I like our chances. It's showing that anything is possible if, if you go out there and, and, and take the game to them. Like how we've took in uh, the game to, to Mexico and Azteca, like we took the game to U.S. in the States. I think we have to approach the World Cup with the same um, demeanor. All right, Dwayne, let's concentrate on Belgium, that golden generation, Canada's matchup versus them. But without probably arguably your best player in Alfonso Davies, certainly your most renowned player around the world, Alfonso Davies. What's that matchup look like if he can't go? Yeah, obviously having a guy like Alfonso Davies poses a different um, um, uh, look for, for Canada, but we've seen it through the qualifiers. When Alfonso uh, wasn't a part of the squad, we still rose to the occasion. We still battled, I believe it was Honduras in Honduras, and, and we were able to get some positive results. So it, as, as you know, it takes 18-man roster to do this, to make this happen. And things are going to happen. Now, it's great news to know Alfonsi uh, is fit and he's healthy. Whether or not he starts or doesn't start um, will, will remain to be seen. But it's not a bad look having a guy like Alfonso coming off the bench. I think, I think that's a great addition to, 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 uh, to the lineup. So, you know, obviously he's, he is a big uh, piece of our puzzle. And we need a fit Alfonso Davis. Uh, Davey's not the only doubt of Stacchio as well. So yeah. some worries there yeah. for the manager, John Herdman. But boy, yeah. Dero, uh, what a job he has done. What can you say about what John Herdman has done uh, with this national team? It, it, from, from the outside looking in, uh, it's almost like a miracle worker, man. Yeah, I mean, it's unprecedented what he did. I mean, he, first and foremost, he's made an uh, association believe. And something I've, I've mentioned earlier is, is having that lack of support. 
he's gotten behind the, um, the, uh, our Canadian Soccer Association to back this team, back them financially, support them throughout the qualifiers, make sure they get everything they need to uh, make them successful. He has a staff that's, that's well knowledgeable, uh, fitness trainers, psychologists, he has the whole nine. And if you want to make it and take this game serious and take it to the next level, you need these key components. And he's gotten our association to back that, support that and fund that. And I think it's paying dividends. And as well as the, the psychological part, he has these guys truly believing in themselves. And we stand by the we can and we're a band of brothers. And I'm really looking forward to that because we're going to need everybody going into these games. Uh, Dero, you mentioned MLS uh, and how that influenced Canadian football. You also mentioned its influence on the United States. What specifically has MLS done to influence that? Oh, man, on, on so many levels. They brought pro soccer to North America. They brought the world to North America. They brought big players, high-profile players. Look at, you know, let's go back to Valderrama, Echeverry, um, Moreno, Stoichkov. I mean, so many great players, not to mention Henri, uh, David Beckham, and, and, and the, and the world-class caliber players we see now coming in at very young ages. So it's growing, it's expanding. But most importantly, the key to all this is the development phase, is the academies that are connected, TFC Academy, and all the academies across uh, the MLS that is developing the youth and getting them prepared. When these kids coming to training now, they look at their, their uh, above their heart, they're part of something. They're part of a very viable uh, resource. Uh, a very clear vision is right ahead of them. And I think that is professional. Um, the facilities are first class now. And everything about MLS is just getting bigger and bigger. And I truly believe come 2026, MLS will be one of the biggest leagues in the world that we'll be talking about. Uh, all right. We got to let Dero go. But before we do that, you know, I'm a, I'm a DC United guy. So right. it's a big thrill for me to have Dwayne Di Rosario <laughs> Former on MVP. Yes, of course. Um, but he's actually not the first Di Rosario to be on Football Americas. Oh, his no? son is taken after his old man. Dero, okay. you are known for the spectacular. Oh, wow. Your son is playing in the Canadian Premier League right now for York United. He's been featured in our top 10 multiple times. Bangers only for this kid, man. You must be so proud. Oh, man, extremely proud. And, you know, I, I'm just very grateful he's taken on the, the game that has provided for me and my family so much. Um, you know, I'm a proud dad. I'm a fan now of the game and, and just seeing my son uh, accomplish what he's accomplished at such a young age at 21. Uh, I'm really praying and hoping come 2026, I'm sitting back as a father, proud father, watching, watching my kid take to the field. But at this moment, extremely proud of him. Dwayne, great to have you here on Football America. It's a real thrill for us. Enjoy Wednesday. It's going to be a real special day, not just for you, but for everybody up in Canada. Thank you, gentlemen. Let's go, Canada. Let's go. All right, Debro getting us fired up for Canada's first World Cup game in 36 years. Going to be a tough matchup. The Canadians facing Belgium. The odds makers clearly have the Belgians uh, installed as favorites, but you can never, ever, ever count Canada out. How about Group B? Herc? I say Group B because that's where we find Costa Rica will also open up their World Cup participation on Wednesday. For the Costa Ricans, they got to face off against Spain, a team that uh, many are thinking could be 
A late, late runner in this tournament. Herc, you give Costa Rica any chances in this one? Les tocó bailar con la más fea, right? Mm. I mean, that's, that's a reality. It's a very difficult task right. uh, against a team that many are betting will be in that final four. Yeah. This generation of Spanish players versus this generation of Costa Rican players made a little longer in the tooth in some of the most important positions mm. uh, that are very one-faceted in the way they attack you with Joel Campbell. That said, defensively, they were stellar in World Cup qualifying. I know that is CONCACAF. Mm -hmm. But that is what you have to work with. And look, you already see what's happening in this World Cup. These teams that are making surprises. Can there be a surprise with Keylor Ramas in net? Always. Absolutely. Would I bet on it? No. No. You, you wouldn't bet your own money on it, certainly. No. Maybe uh, yours. If, if I'm looking at, at reasons to, to have hope for Costa Rica, I know we talk about international football, young man's game, yada, yada, yada. But I do think there were some moments, if we go back to the USA-Wales game, where the United States inexperience made it, might have kept them from maybe getting that second right. goal, from controlling that game. This is a very young Spanish team. The other big knock on this Spain team is they don't have they don't have a Harry Kane, they don't, they have, don't a have a Lewandowski, they don't have a don't number have a nine. And I go back to the last European Championships, they would ping the ball around everybody, and it was beautiful. But without that that incisive final pass and the finish to go with it, Spain will leave teams in games that they are dominating yeah. in every other way. Yeah, I think it'll go bajas. I think it'll be under two and a half goals, right? Okay. I still think Spain wins. Um, Costa Rica is a team that defends very well. They proved it in the second half, especially of World Cup qualifying. I mean, they were the hottest team, uh, one of the hottest teams in the world, if you will. CONCACAF, that's fine. Spain's going to be try to kill you with a thousand paper cuts. That's their game. Pass, 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 pass. If they leave a team like Costa Rica hanging around with Costa Rica in that transition game that they bank on with Joel Campbell, they can't get hurt. They can't get exploited. Again, and don't I'm, forget, I'm not banking on that. Don't forget the bulletin board material. We talked about it. Yes. Uh, Luis Enriquez telling everybody that Costa Rica was in South America. Yeah, the Costa Ricans didn't seem too bothered by it, but they certainly picked up on it. So we'll see if that doesn't fire them up for tomorrow's big showdown. Before we get out of here, let's check the mentions because uh, y'all have been firing us your questions throughout the night here after Mexico, Poland wrapped up. Uh, our first one comes from Zawar, and it's on the theme of upsets, because we have been having a lot of upsets. In fact, right now I'm told that actually, as we are taping this live, France is trailing Australia 1-0. Uh, of course, we had Saudi Arabia pulling the shocker uh, over Argentina earlier. Herc, what do you think about this? Do some of these smaller teams hold an element of surprise against some of these bigger teams? Is that what we're seeing here? Yeah. Even in the age of Y Scout and all this technology where you can see everybody don't, everywhere? Don't, don't give away my secrets. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, be because they're... It's accessible to everybody, right. this, this scouting platform, sure. Um, everybody has their own scouting department, but there is nothing like knowing Lewandowski and what he does, his, his, how he is so good in and around the box, how he likes to link up with players. When you study him so often, not yeah. just the international You don't have to do extra level. work on Lewandowski it, or probably on most European teams, correct, right? Because correct. they're so available to you. And you also don't see it coming. The element of surprise is there for a lot of reasons it, because maybe as Mexico or as Saudi Arabia have proven or as other countries have proven throughout the years, United States versus Portugal, you don't think they have it in them mm. until they do. And this is the world's biggest stage. And, and this is why we see these upsets. Uh, another reason for the surprise, I think, with Saudi Arabia, you look at where their players play. They're all playing yeah. domestically in Saudi Arabia. Right. It's probably not a league that you're watching very much. And then on top of that, um, I think when you think about the Saudi Arabian team and you looked at, at the teams that they play on, there's only three or four teams from that Saudi you, league represented. Also, there's a lot of chemistry already if, built if in If I there. go back to Saudi Arabia, you also don't think they're going to play against Argentina that way. 
You know, you, you think they'll just sit in. They'll pack it in. They'll try to limit the bleeding, if you will. And that wasn't the case. Okay. Uh, next question comes from Jogotaka, who has been uh, probably one of our best contributors here at the World Cup. Okay. He asks, is the Argentina game winnable for Mexico? You've got a wounded animal in Argentina. And, and that could go one of two ways. Mm. Um, I like that you said that. I like Because the rhetoric is... They're only going to be fired up. But it, right. it can also destabilize you, what's happening. The same way it destabilized Germany when Germany lost to Mexico. The same way it destabilized Portugal when Portugal lost to the United States. The same way it dis, you know, destabilized everybody who Costa Rica faced in their group yeah. in 2014. You know, it, these things tend to happen. How you start dictates usually how you finish. Can they dig themselves out of that hole, Argentina? Well, yeah, history has shown us that in the past, teams have been able to do that. We can go back to 2010, just as recently with that Spanish team who sandwiched two European championships in between a World Cup. So it's not over for Argentina, but history has also shown us it, you lose that first game, and if you're a heavy favorite, that could be it. Senegal, France, you know, 2002. Yeah, it certainly feels much more winnable than yesterday, just having seen Argentina stumble against Saudi Arabia. All right, last question here from our good friend Tim Dwyer. Is a draw? A worse result for the United States or Mexico? How about that? On this show, we are comparing U.S. and Mexico World Cup results. Who would have thought? Is a draw a worse result for the U.S. or Mexico? I think so for the U.S., more so. It's a worse result. Yes. Are you saying that because of the feeling after the game or because of how you're looking at the group layout? Uh, both. Because the U.S. Both. definitely is more disappointed they had the lead and blew oh, That's it. why. Because you blew it. Yeah. Whereas Mexico got in or around Poland and dominated possession, but they didn't have these chances. They didn't have that feeling where they could have scored three or four. And maybe you're feeling Mexico a little bit lucky. I mean, obviously, it's, it's a well, great play by Memo, but you right. said a penalty from of Lewandowski. Course. Of course. That's probably going to boost some. The probabilities of that happening, you banking on that happening, are, are slim. So you would assume they'd be happy with the draw. Um, the way with the game, the, the way it turned out. Yeah. Uh, but no, the United States should be extremely disappointed with how things turned out. They had three points in the bag, and now they go into the England game with a lot of uncertainty. Yeah, you think about it from a U.S. perspective, it's a tie that feels like maybe a little bit of a defeat. I don't think the Mexico tie feels like a win, but I think they're, they're feeling good coming out of that game. I think, I think the team must feel good. They played well and had a huge moment. Right? That, that's momentum. Is, is there some momentum there for Mexico? Yeah, I think they're feeling good because you didn't lose, right? right? You get the sensation that, hey. Especially with all the dread building up, right? Yes. Yeah. All the pessimism building up into this game. We, you know, we surpassed the expectations. Uh, we came out of there unscathed, physically unscathed. Points-wise, if you will, you didn't lose three points. So they'll feel good about that. But knowing that you're in a must-win, do-or-die type of game, because that'll be the attitude for Mexico against Argentina. That's a, that's a tough, tough one. one. It's a tough one. All right, that'll do it for uh, this edition of Football Americas. Herc, we got a very, very busy day tomorrow because today we had one CONCACAF team playing. Yesterday we had one CONCACAF team playing. Tomorrow we got two CONCACAF uh -oh. teams playing. Uh -oh. Costa Rica and Canada. Canada, of course, facing off against Belgium. Costa Rica facing off against Spain. And we will be covering it all for you here in Doha, Qatar. He's Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebastian Salazar. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you tomorrow at our normal time, 4 p.m. Eastern time, live right here on ESPN+. We'll see you then.